what we've got here is failure to communicate. From sunny Southern California, we bring you Meet Bridget, a podcast for building confident communication and female badassery. We spotlight women who have bridged the gaps in their lives by building strong relationships and speaking their teenage dreams into reality. You know, what if we could all be this free of judgment and self-hate? I think that we would just live in a better world. Welcome back to Meet Bridget, a show that dives into the often untold teenage and young adult experiences of successful women heralding from diverse backgrounds and working in a myriad of different careers. This show is an extension of a confidence coaching service for young women that we call Bridget. I am Kashia Rosenberg, and I co-host this show alongside my best friend, Asha Gabriel. I'm back again today with an incredible guest, another solo episode, and I can't wait to share the passion, confidence, and story of this guest with all of you. Alexa Felice is a model, business owner, and philanthropist who is on a mission to spread self-love and body positivity. She sought to challenge the status quo within the modeling and entertainment industry, and so far she's doing a damn good job of it. I met Alexa during an event in LA where she was volunteering her time to spark confidence in models of all shapes, sizes, colors, and backgrounds. Her personality is dynamic and infectious. She's gorgeous, and I'm thrilled to bring her energy onto our show. Welcome, Alexa. Hey, hey, hey. Thanks so much for having me. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited to get into it, to share your story, to learn more about you. I really want to dive right in because one of the things that struck me when I met you at the Love Your Body event was how vivacious you were, how confident you were, how easy it was for you to translate that confidence onto other people, such as myself, who were, you know, there. Some of us were there as volunteers. Some of us were there as models. And you just really knew how to command a room and guide everybody toward this, like, very peaceful but confident space mentally. So I want to know where that comes from. And I want to get started by talking about where you're from, where you grew up, and let's get into it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I was so happy when you approached me about your show. I could not be more happy to continue my mission here talking to the young ladies, the young women, the young entrepreneurs, the dreamers that want to know what it's like to live a life full of confidence and self-love, but still get the realness, get get down and dirty with the mm-hmm. honesty that and the hard work that it takes to get there. I have to say that it's easy for me to command a room like that and look into the eyes of all of those incredible women because I genuinely believe in my soul that they are all beautiful in their own way. And that's something that's taken a lot of work, a lot of personal work for me to understand. I used to look in the mirror and I did not feel that way about myself. I felt the exact yeah. opposite. And it wasn't until I did that personal work where I could look at myself and accept myself fully, the way I look, my past, the choices I've made, who I am as a person, until I could actually look at other people and, you know, pass that confidence onto them. It was really important yeah. that I did that for myself first. Yeah. No, I mean, and it, it totally shows. So where are you from, Los Angeles, originally? So I'm actually from a small town in Orange County. I guess it's not that small, but it's called Garden Grove. Went to Garden Grove High School. I love my GG fam. You know, being here in Los Angeles now has really opened 
the door for me and allowed me to see, you know, where I could really take my message, my business and my philanthropy. Are you um, I want to talk a little bit about your childhood, because one of the things that we love doing is we love, you know, figuring out like where you started out and like the immense growth since then. So you grew up in Garden Grove. Are you an only child? Do you have siblings? Like what was life like for little Alexa? Uh, little Alexa. Well, a little little Alexa <laughs> was actually never known as little Alexa. So I was born a twin. I have a twin sister and mm-hmm. she was she was the little one. It was physically she was the Aww. little one. Yes. And so she was actually born eight minutes after me. And ever since <laughs> I absolutely love my sister right now, we have a really good relationship, but it wasn't always the case. I was really in this state where I was under a lens of constant comparison. Now I know as an adult, the key to not feeling, you know, the key to being confident is not comparing yourself to others. And it took me those. Yeah. It took me most of my childhood to really understand that if I was going to continue comparing myself to others, especially my twin sister, then I would never be able to really step into my own light and shine and be who I was meant to be. So she didn't know any better, but I was always the chunky one, the loud one. And I had to be the protector. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I kind of built this understanding of myself that no one would ever protect me. I was always the fat and ugly one. And then I would just never be as loved as as she was. That was kind of the narrative I I told myself. Yeah, it's it's so wild because as children growing up, we create these images for ourselves. Like our sense of identity is really just not set until you come into like young adulthood. And for a lot of people, not even then. I mean, Asha and I talk a lot on our show about, you know, the different dynamics between siblings growing up because we feel like it it definitely influences pretty much everybody. Like I'm the oldest of four kids. And so I've always been pressured to be like the leader, like always, you know, be on the straight and narrow. And um, Asha is a middle child. And so there are differences with that. I think with twins, we actually haven't had anyone on the show ever who's had a twin. Mm. And I have some twins in my extended family. And I know that like there are different situations where you either have twins that are super, super close and exactly alike. And then there are situations where, you know, the twins are completely opposite. So it sounds like it is exactly what you're saying, where you and your sister had to take on these different roles and you developed this sense of self that was really based on that. Were Mm -hmm. you guys close growing up, even though, you know, there were these like profound differences? Yeah, I think I think it's important that the young people understand that, you know, the stories we create about ourselves are what is most important. Mm -hmm. And if you are creating Mm -hmm. a story of who you are, right now as a child remember that that story can change and it can be whatever Mm -hmm. you want it to be and the relationship I had with my sister growing up I really played the victim I I really didn't give myself the opportunity to to shine because I felt as though I was always going to be under her thumb and it's interesting now as adults she tells me that she felt the same way about me but we never really talked Mm. about those things My mom always tried her best to make everything equal for us because we we were equals, you know, Um, you know, birthday parties together. She got like she got the same amount of gifts as I did. Things like 
of that nature. She always tried her best. And also growing up as twins, you know, I started to see how no matter what effort my mom put in, I was never going to really be treated the same as my sister just because of society. You know, it was the societal mm -hmm. standards that I just could never meet up. It started with clothing, really, for me. My mom is really a fashionista and she loved to dress my sister up. But ever since we were born, we were dramatically different in size. Our body size is different. And, you know, she couldn't find clothes to put on me and my sister to have that twin aesthetic which sounds maybe not important. Like the matching. Yeah, yeah. And, and it, it maybe doesn't sound that important, but as a child to know that, you know, I wasn't able to participate in, in that excitement that my mom had when dressing my sister, it showed me that I just wasn't good enough, you know, or it made me ask those questions. Is there something wrong with my body? Is my size and mm -hmm. my height and my shape a problem? And so very, very young, I, I realized that, there was something or I felt as though there was something wrong with me, you know, that I was yeah. undeserving of those opportunities because I was living in a bigger body and it impacted the way I treated my sister. Oh, it's really crazy because, you know, like you said, like you create these narratives for yourself, especially as you're growing up. And those years like preteen into like young adulthood, you're so that's what we're doing developmentally is like we're searching for a sense of self. And I think like it must have been really difficult to be in the position where you have somebody clearly that you love and it's like also your mom that you love. And perhaps it wasn't on purpose, but like little things create these small divides. And as like somebody coming into their own, you take on like your own interpretation of it and it can be quite uncomfortable. I also think that like Beauty perceptions and standards have changed so much and they continue to change so much all the time. When I was a teen, the thing was to be stick, stick skinny. It was like you had to be like 90 pounds and losing weight at the same time. And I remember like being in high school and just seeing like Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera and like, you know, all these beautiful women, but like what was in at that time was being like the smallest you could possibly be, which was pretty unattainable. My sister had that body. So I felt like I was just, yeah, like, oh. like how, why me? You know, I was raised with so many times. You're a 90s baby. I'm a 90s kid. Yes. And so well, I'm, I'm, I'm 89. So yeah, <laughs> we're super close, super close. Yeah. Similar yeah. standards that you and I had to face, you know, had, and my mom, her body shape was always really curvy and she also had body image issues. You know, her her self-love journey mm -hmm. was maybe not even started quite yet. And she, you know, she tried all the things yeah. to make herself different. And um, because she was also fighting against those standards that were put, put upon her. So it always just put mm -hmm. my sister on a pedestal that she was just better. And it really didn't matter how hard I worked in school. I worked hard for my grades. I worked hard to do the extracurriculars. I was singing. I was dancing. I was playing basketball. I was volunteering my time. But still, under my own judgment, I was never good enough simply because of my body. Yeah. Were you really outgoing at school? Like, did you just, like, put yourself out there and you just kind of, like, acted as if? Or were you really shy yeah, so I have always been an extrovert by nature. I've always mm -hmm. been loud and I've always enjoyed taking up space. 
So mm-hmm. it was it was this constant battle of do I deserve this? Am I behaving this way because I'm craving attention or is this really who I am? Do I do I really feel as though I'm happy being this way? And you can ask people from my childhood that I've always been this way. I've always had yeah. I've always had this sense of of high energy that I wanted to share with the world, but mm-hmm. it was it was myself who who held me back in many ways. So I created yeah. a lot of opportunity, but also I can see looking back that I I limited myself. I said no to so many things that I wish I would have had said yes to. And if you're listening to this and there's something that you want to do, please do not hold yourself back. Please just jump straight into it if you know that it's going to fuel your soul in any way. Don't hold yourself back from opportunity because it's up to us to create it. I love that quote, and I'm actually writing it down (laughs) (laughs) because I want this to be something that's highlighted. I think it's really important. And I also love that you describe yourself as an extrovert, but you also had this internal struggle, which I think is really important, especially for our younger listeners who might feel like the two are mutually exclusive. I also just feel like as an extrovert, you really hit on a point that I think resonates where it's like, if you're loud and you're taking up space in a room, does that mean that you're craving attention? Or can that just be who you are without having to have a negative connotation associated with it? Mm -hmm. There were plenty of times when I was younger where I would like get bullied. And I think one of the things that would stick in my head, because, you know, I would as a kid, like try to ignore and adapt and like still be somewhat outgoing. And then you'd hear from a lot of people like, oh, she's really annoying or she's like she thinks she knows it all. Kind of like I remember hearing like little things like that. And it would really hit me because I'd be like, oh, maybe I need to make myself smaller because then it won't be so uncomfortable for other people. And now it's it's not until now as an adult. And, you know, you really come to realize that you have to be yourself radically in all forms, like no matter what, because I mean, people are always going to have something to say, right? That that is so true. That is so true. And I couldn't agree with you more. It's so important to, you know, have those moments of self-awareness where you can check in with yourself. I think that that's such a skill that you young people can start building on today. You know, Mm -hmm. ask yourself those questions. Am I this way because I want to be or am I this way because I am looking for validation or an affirmation from someone else? Because The only validation that matters is the one that comes from yourself. You have Mm -hmm. to believe, you have to validate your feelings and who you are every step of the way. And it only gets easier, to be honest. So if you can start Mm -hmm. young and get to know yourself now, the journey will be a lot less challenging. And I created Everybody Deserves Love because I didn't have this conversation when I was a child or when I was a young person. There was nobody that said, hey, you can be anything that you want to be. You can do anything you want to do. And you do deserve love and respect, no matter your age, no matter your body size, no matter your skin color or the the acne mm-hmm. on your face or the bullies that spit on you. Like none of that is relevant to your self-worth. I created the organization so mm-hmm. more young people could hear that message because I know I needed it. Yeah, no, I love that. Let's talk a little bit about how you started building this pathway to a career. So you're in high school, you're going through all of these internal struggles, but you're an extrovert who, you know, 
I mean, I can just imagine you being vivacious. And like when you say you're, you love taking up space and taking up room, like I can just imagine like a younger version of yourself, like, you know, just trying to like explore and be who you were in the surroundings you were in. Did you always know what you wanted to do? Did you see yourself as a model? What did you think that your future looked like at that time? And like, how did you start taking steps toward it? Oh, that's such a good question. At a very young age, I knew I wanted to be a performer. I really wanted to be a singer or a dancer. When I was expressing myself through song or dance, it made me so happy. I felt so true to myself, being able to connect to an audience, connect to people in that way. But because I was insecure and because I looked the way I did, I instantly wrote that off as not an option. You know, having those role models, of, like you said, Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, I craved their careers. I was like, well, I don't look like them, so that's not an option. So the next best thing for me was to build some kind of career around helping people. I was always raised to, you know, offer my love and support when I could, especially being the older of my sister and I, us being twins. She was always very shy. It was kind of always my nature to protect her and to be there for her and to look out for her and be her voice when she really didn't know how to use her own. That always made me happy, you know, to be that that leader, that helper. But it wasn't until I took my first psychology course at Garden Grove High School with Mrs. Bartolotti, my psych teacher, and I learned about the human brain and how everything in our mind really dictates how we navigate through life and why we do what Mm -hmm. we do and why we feel what we feel. And that interested me so much, especially because I had so many of my own internal issues that nobody really knew about. So when I started learning about psychology, I knew that I wanted to get an education in psychology. So right after high school, I went to uh, Long Beach City College and then Cal State Fullerton, and I got a degree in human services with an emphasis in psychology and mental health. Oh, very cool. Yeah, I still didn't even know what I was going to do with that degree, to be honest. <laughs> I didn't. I was in my <laughs> 20s and still like, all right, I've got a piece of paper that says I'm, I did something. Now what? <laughs> you know, that's kind of like the struggle, too. I think if you're not in a job that has like a very specific career path, like doctor, lawyer, you know, it just feels kind of like, what, what's next? That was what it was for me. It's like, what am I, what am I doing? And so actually the summer I graduated from college, we, my family and I went on a cruise. I was really struggling with my self-image at this point. I was in my early 20s. And I remember the exact incident. We were taking pictures because Instagram was still, it was, it was just born. <laughs> we were really, I was really in Instagram. I was taking pictures of my sister and my dear friends, and I just remember feeling this bubbling of really just disgust, envy, jealousy, really low vibrational emotions. And I was almost, you know, again, practicing self-awareness. I was almost upset at myself for feeling those things. I couldn't even understand where it was Mm -hmm. coming from. And I noticed that I was treating them very badly. Like I wasn't having fun when they're like, oh, do you want a picture, Alexa? I was upset and I was like, no, I don't, I don't want to take a picture. And it was this weird battle inside my head where 
It's like I wanted to be on the camera. I craved being on the camera and being recognized. But at the same time, I didn't want to. And it made me it made me upset. It made me upset with them because of it, which was the most interesting thing. Did they understand at the time why you were upset with them? So mental health wasn't really something that I ever spoke about with my family. We never really talked about the bully that lives inside our heads. I saw my parents, Mm -hmm. my my father struggling with his own self-esteem issues. He would, you know, he had his own ways of coping that were not healthy. You know, he leaned on alcohol and my mom also leaned on her own ways of coping with her mental health issues, which was the dieting, the obsession over the body. And I never really had the tools or techniques or even the safe space to communicate my feelings. So they never knew, you know, they never knew. They they really just saw me as a star in my own way. They saw my extrovertedness. They saw how much people loved me and gravitated towards me, but they had no idea how much I hated myself. Yeah. And so I was just known for having, I was just known for having attitude. You know, I was just being a brat. I was just being all of that. (laughs) You talk about the internal bully. Did you ever experience being bullied before? Absolutely. So much of my childhood, I was battling bullies. I remember the one, a couple of the first weeks of kindergarten, some, uh, this boy named Philip. I remember it very clearly. I, I was talking to him because he had a ball and I've always loved sports and he spit on me and called me fat, you uh-huh. know, and that was my first on one of like my first weeks of school ever. God, kids are so just, mean sometimes. Kids are the learners. I mean, he was like six and, you know, he was like five to six years old and he was hating on me because of my body. I mean, my issues were rooted deep and started yeah. And those words just really were internalized and yeah. adopted. Yeah. And then you you ended up using them against yourself with that internal bully, like as time progressed. Ugh. When did you start to realize like, OK, so you went on this cruise, like you started to feel this shift in like your mood and you're starting to like try and understand where this anger is coming from. Instagram's just starting. So what happens next? Like, how did you start moving toward? today (laughs) yes so i remember sitting in my very small if you've ever been on a cruise i suggest you do it it's lots of fun i was as long as you're not dealing with your own mental health concerns i was sitting in my beautiful room with a with a with a view and i was just scrolling on instagram and i had came across a boutique it was bougie curves bougie curves boutique and I was blown away. I remember seeing women that looked like me. And at that moment, I just felt this sense of relatability, connection, mm-hmm. uh, hope. So this this thought was just planted into my mind that I look like these girls. Why couldn't I do that? Like, if I see myself in these women, why why couldn't I be her? Like, who said that I couldn't? you know, be on this website, on this Instagram page. And so I started liking photos, commenting, and I truly can't remember if it was me or her who reached out. I don't know if it was me who was like, hey, if you ever need a model, I'm in LA. Or if she was like, oh, hey, I see you're in Los Angeles. But she like that relationship started kind of shook a little bit to think that I was even considering this 
Mm-hmm. But when I got back from the cruise, I followed up and I started taking pictures in her clothing and she started using them on her website. And in exchange, she was giving me the clothing. It wasn't a paid gig, but the opportunity to get clothes was a big deal for me because like my stories previously, clothing has always been a challenge for me. Mm-hmm. And anybody who's ever gotten dressed before knows that there is a huge sense of self-confidence that comes with how we dress and how we present ourselves and express ourselves through fashion and through what we wear, how we look, how we do our hair. And fashion was always really rejected me. So to mm-hmm. find a brand that had cute, sexy, fun clothing that fit me perfectly, it was it just lit me up. It just it just fueled me inside. And there was this moment where, you know, maybe about few months in working with her I looked at the photos and at the time I was still struggling it's not like oh, all of a sudden I love myself and I'm super mm-hmm. comfortable with my body but I remember looking at one of the photos and actually getting emotional and tearing up and I remember saying that I was like wow everybody does deserve love like everybody deserves love I look beautiful and in that moment for me it was it was huge yeah, it was transformational. I mean, I'm getting emotional just thinking about it because I remember it so vividly where I could finally look at a picture of myself and say, shit, girl, you're beautiful. Like, I deserve <laughs> to feel that way, which I never had felt. Yeah. You know, and, and I've felt that for other people. I felt that for other people a little bit, but not to the extent that I do now. Because I always really looked at other people and and hated on them. Like, I can't think of a better word. Like, I hated on them because I hated on myself. I heard those words in my head, everybody deserves love. And instantly after I felt that way about myself, I just had this vision of how can I get every single person on the planet to buy into the belief system that we are all deserving of love and that it really does start with us loving ourselves first. That feeling that I had was so damn good. I wanted everybody to feel it. I just wanted every single person on the planet to release themselves of any suffering that they carry because of the way they perceive their body or the way that they look on the outside. Mm-hmm. And that was really that was really the launch of the charity Everybody Deserves Love. And very quickly after that, I had organized a beach party. I wanted to get as many people as possible to the beach in bikinis, in bathing suits, in a place that I loved so much, which is by the water. And I wanted to spread this message. I wanted to get people to hear me out and hear this new passionate belief system that I had adopted about myself so the everybody deserves love beach party was born I love that how did you know to get started with a nonprofit? like did you have to do research or were you just like I need to spread this message like I need it to be like in a way that everybody can access it and then you just kind of like went from there yes definitely so I had already been going to school for Mm-hmm. Human services, which is basically an education mm-hmm. on serving humanity in some way. You after human services, you can really do uh you could do a lot of different career paths. You can start a nonprofit, you can go into the line of counseling or therapy or starting wellness centers. There's a lot of different fields that follow the human services degree. And 
I, I remember in that moment that I, you know, I remember in that moment that I could, I could do this, you know, with my career, like with the education that I, I took in, you know, in college. But I mm-hmm. also knew, I also knew that I wouldn't make a dollar, you know, I wouldn't become mm-hmm. rich with this. So I was always going to have to do something more because like you said, that that real accessibility piece, that inclusion piece, that was very important to me from the beginning. I mean, everybody Mm -hmm. deserves love means everybody and not everybody has the money or the ability to access the resources that I really wanted to create. And I didn't really have too much of a plan at that point, but I knew I wanted to get people together to let them know that I was starting this. And it really started as a hashtag online. It started as a hashtag mm-hmm. on, on Instagram, hashtag everybody deserves love. And now we have over tens of thousands of people using that hashtag still. And I was using that hashtag and sharing the images about the beach party and the beautiful, fabulous Ashley Graham, the supermodel, the author, the mother, had found my content on Instagram. And I was chosen to be on the television show Celebrity Undercover Boss. I don't know if you've ever seen the show Undercover Boss, but it's a TV show for those who haven't seen it. It's a show where the bosses of either a business or an industry go undercover Mm -hmm. and bless the lives of those who are working really hard uh, for their business or for the industry. And Ashley Graham was my undercover boss. You know, she paved the way for plus size models or curvy women Mm -hmm. in the fashion industry. And she showcased her stretch marks, her jiggly body, her boobies, Mm -hmm. her her curves. And the people loved her. And that show really gave me what I needed to make Everybody Deserves Love a nonprofit, starting with media attention and money. Mm -hmm. Ashley Graham gave me I think almost a little over $15,000 to continue my modeling career mm-hmm. and to get this nonprofit certified as a 501c3 organization in the state of California. And it all just grew that from there. That is so wild. Yeah, absolutely. I wish she could see what we're doing now. <laughs> we'll have to share it with her. I mean, I Please. think it's so cool. I think it's so cool. You were just literally like going it on your own like doing the work and then for somebody to actually notice what you were doing and to validate that by like you know in this very huge way did you know who she was when you saw her or like how (laughs) was it like a hidden camera show or like did she just pop out or so at the time I had been modeling you know I had I had still been modeling was doing really well for me I was getting lots of different Mm -hmm. types of jobs as a model, working as a fit model, working as an Instagram model, working as a a runway model, a showcase model, a print model. And for those looking for modeling resources, I have them. Go to my website, alexafelice.com. It doesn't matter your age. I've created books and courses. If modeling is something that you want, it's a great side hustle. And you never know. Mm -hmm. It could be your main source of income like me. And... Ashley Graham on that show was a totally different person. I thought that I was getting booked for a gig. I thought I got booked for a docu-series that shared the life and the struggles of plus-size models. And I was going to help 
and I was going to help other models, upcoming models. And mm-hmm. knowing my nature, as you do now, helping people is what I like to do. It wasn't a problem for yeah, me. Yeah, I was, I was like, like, this is exactly this is up your alley. <laughs> <laughs> like, I would love to do this. Thank you so much. I, of course, I want to help. You know, I want to help these other beautiful women, you know, believe in themselves and get themselves into modeling. Mm-hmm. I had I was already working on resources. I was already working on, you know, different types of things that people could buy at my website to educate them because the industry is biased. There are a lot of people that still don't believe curvy bodies, freckled bodies. You know, there's a lot of issues still where inclusion is not the message. And I was battling against that as a child. And now I was battling against that in my career as a model. And I didn't want anyone to to have to deal with a lot of the secrets and the lies that I was told. So I was just putting everything out there. Um, I was already putting my resources out there for people who were really aspiring models. So she was just, you know, the aspiring model that I was helping out in Miami. And, it, you know, I was there were some red flags, but I honestly had no idea that it was her until the very last day where there was the announcement. And you can watch my episode on Hulu. So I, I, I think maybe it's like, I, I'm not sure exactly, but look for the Ashley Graham episode and that's me. I'll be on there and you can I'll see I'll find it, it and great. we'll link it. Yeah, cool. I'll find it and we'll link it. And we're going to tag <laughs> Ashley Graham and hashtag yes. everybody deserves love. Um, <laughs> because I had no idea that that's how, I mean, it's not how you got started, but that's like, a, that's like series A funding right there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, she she was there to encourage me to continue modeling and and also encourage me to keep going with everybody deserves love but most of the benefits that came from working with her it really it all the love all the fuel went to the organization my career stayed pretty steady since but yeah it's always been it's always been about getting that message out and creating resources for people to start their self-love journey like I did yeah, I I love that so much. And I, I love that she gave you encouragement. Was she so impressed by like your mentoring skills? And, you know, because you thought this whole time you were coaching her. Yes, she was impressed. She was impressed. And I remember this moment. And if you watch the episode, you'll laugh with me. They thought there was this moment where I slapped her butt. I was like, you're doing oh my God. And, I, and I like butt tapped her. And <laughs> and this was before and like I really had learned about a lot of things like that's probably not appropriate um and then at the yeah, very end of the you're episode just totally I, being genuine I was just being me you know and I remember at the at the end of the show she slapped my butt like after we were hugging and she like you know gave me all my gifts and she's like that's payback <laughs> like, I know it's like oh my gosh I can't believe I touched Ashley Graham's butt <laughs> yeah it was it oh was my really god that's such a blessing such a blessing I mean I could not be more grateful for her and everybody who was on that show and and everybody who's watched it since then I mean I've gotten so many people that have reached out to me through social media yeah. and told me their stories and how you know, they want to be a part of the organization. They want to volunteer. They we're still fully a volunteer organization, you know, struggling from one thing to the next. But people still reach out. They follow us. They volunteer for us. We have volunteers from all over the world helping us get more content out there that educates people. 
you know, and getting our programs up and running. I'm still working on it, you know, six years later. So that show is a big, big blessing to us. Yeah, no, I love it. I love how you have just persevered and you've taken really all of your childhood dreams and you've translated it into a way that like works so well for you and it helps so many other people. What is your day-to-day like now? Like what's a day in the life of a model for you? Because yeah. you're busy. I follow your Instagram. <laughs> I am busy. So I modeling is still a big part of my day-to-day. I, I'm modeling mm-hmm. with different brands all over the U.S., mostly in Los Angeles, uh, usually like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, sometimes Mondays and Fridays. And when I'm not doing that, I have my own business. I am a social media manager. I really care mm-hmm. about I really care about getting this message and helping uh, getting this message out and helping other businesses that have that similar message grow their audience and grow their brand online. Um, I was able to do it for myself. I was able to do it for the nonprofit. And I wanted to share those services with other people, business owners that don't have the time or the patience or the understanding of Instagram. Because uh, there are a lot of businesses that have that same message, that want to showcase body positivity, that want to showcase the importance of self-love and you know self-compassion, whether they're selling, whether they're in the fashion industry, they're in the food industry, or they're just doing something, selling something fun. I want to make sure that you know people have access to those things. So I'm usually running around creating content for businesses. Um, or I'm mm-hmm. helping fashion brands develop new products, you know, that serve curvy women, curvy bodies. I, I get to represent those those curvy bodies, you know, in the fashion rooms and those design rooms. I work with a lot of designers that are developing the products. I work for Savage X Fenty. I work for Jolt. You know, I work for Harper Wild. There's uh, a lot of wonderful brands that really care about inclusion, LGBT. QA plus community. Um, and for me, it's like really, really a blessing to be a part of all of that. And I also, I love to travel and I'm always doing my own self work. I've, t- I've been taking acting classes. I've been taking vocal empowerment classes. I still have dreams of being a singer. I still have dreams of being a movie star. I still <laughs> have dreams of, you know, being a, a talk show host. Uh, starting my own podcast. So I just really never stop working on my dreams. I love how forward facing you are and how anything that you have seemingly wanted to do, you've just put one foot in front of the other and just gone for it. I love the origin story of everybody deserves love. And I also just love how everything that you do really aligns with a singular message that everybody is deserving of love and you're going to go out there and show it and do it. Um, I think you're incredible. I think that our audience is going to gain so much from listening to you talk about how you translated your internal struggles and turned it on its head and created this fabulous career for yourself you're doing it. You're the epitome of, you know, success. Oh, thank you so much. I feel like I still have a lot of work to do. Um, but it's really for me about enjoying the process. I mm-hmm. am very much a forward thinker, like you said. And sometimes that could be at my own 
demise. That's actually sometimes my weakness. And if it wasn't for everybody deserves love, I probably wouldn't be able to do what I do at the capacity that I do it. Knowing that I have everybody deserves love and I have the programs that I'm creating, but also taking advantage of, like we have yeah. we have our emotional support groups that run a mm-hmm. couple times a month, being able to check in with them and share anything that's heavy on my mind and just be honest, you know, being honest with myself. Like I feel fat this week. I don't feel good about myself today. You know, I f- I'm feeling mm-hmm. this way and it's it's really holding me back and I know I shouldn't, but I do. You know, having that space to be honest and be human, it allows me to get back out there and wake up the next day feeling born. And I practice what I preach, you know, those coping skills that we yeah. teach the young people to journal, to meditate, to practice mindfulness, to be present. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about yesterday. Be here now. How can I take more of myself and put it into what I'm doing right now. Like that, those things are, you know, a lifelong practice for me. And it's a real, it's a real, it's a, it's a real blessing to be able to teach myself those things and also to work with other people that are passionate about teaching that to young people and to everybody. That resonates so much because one of the things that Asha and I talk about is how much Bridget as business has given us. I mean, my partner and I are best friends and we've worked so hard to create this space where we can, you know, foster a sense of community. So I can totally relate to that feeling of it's not just you building something for other people. It's this real what comes out of it is also so beautiful. You gain so much. We learn so much from our guests, from the girls that we speak to, from the events that we've put on. And I just really see all of that positivity like oozing off of you. And the other thing I want to mention is I really love that you mention your support groups. I think that's a really significant part of what you guys do because especially now with social media and body positivity, the other end of the spectrum I notice is like the toxic positivity where people like fail to validate like very real feelings and struggles or like they try and hide them instead of like sitting with them. And I love how you're just talking about being present and like having some weeks where you feel really crappy about yourself and that's just the truth and you talk through it and you practice through it. I I really love that. And I think that your community is probably gaining so much from that. Thank you. Thank you. And I have to say that I didn't, you know, I didn't start this movement. You know, there, Mm -hmm. when you really look back, when you really look back in history, It was the African-American and women of color and queer, queer women of color who really started this movement and who really made um, really made a statement when it comes to allowing yourself to exist and loving yourself and really demanding that space. Uh, Because, you know, well before I was even born, people, curvy bodies and people of all kinds of abilities were rejected from society. And it just trickled on into my, you know, my generation and into my existence. And so I'm really just putting more gas into into this, you know, this self-love train, into this self-acceptance train that has been started so, so much, like so, so well before my time. 
And it's a real honor and a privilege to be able to have these opportunities like speaking with you to just, again, put that out there that it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter your skin color. It doesn't matter if you are queer or how you identify yourself. Who, who you are is more important than your body. And you are deserving of that love and respect. And it really starts with us believing that in ourselves. And I believe that it's not about one person feeling liberated and free. It's about that collective liberation, that collective freedom. And that to me is also what's so important. Just because one person feels good about themselves, how, like let's take that and how can we create that opportunity for other people too? It's all about the collective for me. It's, it's just like it's it, one person free is great, but what if we could all be this free? You know, what if we could all be this free of judgment and self-hate? I think that we would just live in a better world. I love that so much. And I completely agree. And I feel like we need to shout everybody deserves love from the rooftops and just continue spreading this message. Thank you. Honestly, thank you so much. That's how I feel. I want everybody deserves love to be the message of the universe, you know, and and you'll see now that you know about everybody deserves love, you'll see like you'll be watching a commercial and you'll be like, everybody deserves love. You'll see a drag queen show and you'll say, everybody deserves love. You'll read a book about body liberation and you'll say, everybody deserves love. It's a message that just hasn't been said enough, but it's out there. It just needs to be, and there needs to be a big exclamation point. And there needs to be, I think, this collective effort of building this organization because it's not a business. It's a not-for-profit. So let's put our resources together Mm -hmm. and connect people to this message so they can start their journey. And, and become more well so we can see less suicides, less children suffering from depression and less people trying drugs and abusing themselves and, and hurting themselves. And let's teach them the skills and these new ways of thinking that allow them to thrive and be so happy and experience the joy that this planet has to offer. Yeah, I completely agree. Well, I could keep talking to you for ages, but I don't, you know, we only have a limited amount of time with you. I want to make sure that we get into like the fun, like closer that we usually do with all of our guests, which is called the Fast Five. So if you're ready to jump into that, we can, we can go right in. Let's go. Let's do it. Okay. Number one, favorite modeling job you've ever done? Probably the show. (laughs) Celebrity undercover boss. <laughs> yes, I I know I wrote these questions before the interview and now I'm like, that's obviously. <laughs> yeah, that's or I have to say there was another opportunity where I got to meet the founder of Savage Dex Fenty. And if you know oh Savage Dex Fenty, you know who the boss babe is. Oh so my that God, was a yeah. pretty great job. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. She is queen of everything queen Um, (laughs) okay and I love how just like especially because I just had a baby last this last year and like the way that she just like embraced her pregnant self and she had the belly out and everything so hot I felt like there were so many times during my pregnancy where I was just like oh I do not feel like myself and then I'd like look at Rihanna and be like I can do anything (laughs) she's just like just instilling that confidence Yes. Okay. Um, number two, morning routine. Morning routine. I wake up. I take a poop. I brush my teeth. 
I journal <laughs> uh, for four for four minutes. I drink my water and then I do yoga. I think it's so important to get your body moving and connecting with your body and also reaffirming those reaffirming those messages. And I remember this is the statement I say in, in my journal every morning. I say, good morning, Alexa. Today, you will be a divine expression of the infinite. And I say that almost every day in just a different way. And I just remind myself that my life is a divine, unique, one-of-a-kind expression of God, of the universe, of something so bigger than all of us. And it's my job to just be that individual expression of that. I love that. My number three was actually going to be favorite mantra for confidence, but I think you nailed it. <laughs> yes. Or, or just remember that everybody yeah. deserves love. Yes. 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 That's definitely the mantra. <laughs> okay. Number four, any guilty pleasures? Guilty pleasures? Oh my gosh. Baby talking with my dog. Does that count? <laughs> yes. I just can, I can just baby talk the heck out of that guy. <laughs> so fun. Okay. Number five, how do you reset when you're feeling overwhelmed? Okay. Definitely traveling. I love just putting myself into an environment where I have absolutely no idea where I'm at, what I'm going to do, who I'm going to see, where I'm going to sleep. I just pick up and I go. And I just remind myself that no matter what's in front of me, I'm capable. I can survive. I will figure it out and I will have a blast and I will allow the universe to open doors for me so I can walk through them. You are like the version of myself that I have to like train myself to be when I'm getting too anxious because like that would normally be my nightmare. But then my second train of thought is like, no, 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 we need to do it this way. So I love that. It's like such a well-developed answer. Yeah. I always get overwhelmed when I seek too much control. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if you are feeling overwhelmed, it might be because you had these expectations of how something is supposed to be. So I always yeah. say throw yourself into something where you don't have any expectations and you're just doing, you're just living, yeah. you're just taking it one step at a time. That for me is the ultimate de-stressor. And if I can't do that, then I love being outside. I love going for a walk or sitting at the beach, you know, just yeah. being in nature. That's definitely my other way. Or just being still, meditating, sitting in my room, no TV, no screens. And I mm -hmm. definitely recommend cutting out screen time if you can. Yeah. Just, if you're oh, that's this, such a good screen. Green time is so, so toxic to us. Yeah. You know, it's important for life. I'm a social media manager, so I, yeah. I love it. I love social media. I love the benefits. But if you're feeling stressed and you need to recharge, please try to figure out how to unplug. Mm -hmm. Figure out ways in your life. Be honest with yourself. How can you unplug a little? Can you put your phone in the other room in the morning mm -hmm. and at night? You know, do you have to have it on all the time? Whatever it is for you, like create those healthy boundaries. Do you create like a schedule for yourself too? Oh, yeah. I live, I live on a schedule, on a calendar. My own account used to be very like I had a religious posting schedule, but then I realized that it was also stressing me out. Mm -hmm. So I ended up stopping that and I kind of just allow it to be organic right now. Yeah. I just allow my, my social media posting to just, you know, if there's something I feel like I want to share with the people, then I share it. I don't. Yeah try to overthink it. And that is another whole other conversation on how we can handle, you know, our, our relationship with social media. I would love to come back another day and talk. About oh my God. No, I know my wheels are spinning. Okay. So let's <laughs> close this out. We have one question that we ask every guest of the show. It's just something like ruminative. 
it's nice to settle into. So our, my final question for you, what was one quality you had as a young woman that you might not have taken pride in then that you look back at and truly value now? I think it's my, my willingness to be vulnerable. I was always very emotional. I kind of hated it, you know, from people. Mm-hmm. I, I tried to hide my tears. I tried to hide my excitement. I tried to hide my curiosity. But that willingness to be vulnerable and show the world what you're experiencing, show them how and what emotions you're feeling and how it's translating for you, that has allowed me to build such beautiful relationships with people and myself over over the years. Be human and Allow yourself to feel what you're going to feel because those are the answers. A lot of our truth lies in how we feel and how we respond to things yeah. naturally. So whether whether it's an, a moment where like, oh, this is making me feel this way, like I was feeling those feelings, of jealousy and 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 anger towards my sister for just taking pictures, mm-hmm. you know, being honest with myself on how I was feeling allowed me to make changes. It allowed me to grow. It allowed me to be better. And no good comes from just stuffing our emotions inside of us. You can't drown it with alcohol. You can't throw it up by purging. The only way to deal with our emotions is to do it face, face on, head on. So allow yourself to be vulnerable and know that there's nothing wrong with you when you're experiencing emotions. Emotions are our friends, even if they don't always feel so good. I love that so much. And I think it's so apropos. And I'm so glad that we got to share you with our audience. It really has meant so much to us. This was so fun. Where can our listeners find you? Oh, please find me. Please, please find me. (laughs) I would love to speak to all of you and and do so much with all of you who are listening. Uh, You can find me at alexafelice.com. And that's P-H-E-L-E-C-E. There's a contact form. Tell me your life story. Tell me everything. I get those emails straight to my inbox. And I also have my assistant who gets those. So nothing ever goes unseen. And you also can reach me at ebdl.org, which is everybodydeservesLove.org organization. There's a contact form on there too. Please do that. And then you can also find me on Instagram at both Everybody Deserves Love and Alexa Felice. Love it so much. Thank you for everything, Alexa. Cannot wait for our listeners to hear this one. Thank you so much for having me. And remember, love your Yes, yes. We're going to shout it from the rooftop. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Of course. And that's our show. If you liked what you heard today, please like, subscribe to follow and share meet Bridget with your circle. The best way to help our work here is to rate and review our podcast. We're listening and constantly working to build something helpful for you. Catch you next time. Did you have an awesome time? Did you drink awesome shooters and listen to awesome music and then just sit around and soak up each other's awesomeness?